Welcome to Seeking the Truth, where we explore how successful companies and business leaders use data to make confident decisions. Hosted by Darshna Shetty, VP of Product at Truve, a one-stop solution for income and employment verification. Welcome to another episode of Seeking the Truth. Uh, this is our podcast, and today we have a very special guest. Uh, he's, he's, he's Chief Marketing Officer at Nationwide Mortgage Bankers. Jared Stanley, thank you so much for joining us. Guys, thanks so much for having me on the show. I'm a big fan. A big fan of you two, and uh, I'm looking forward to having a pretty good conversation with you guys today. Ready to dive in. And so I'm also going to introduce our chief product officer, Darshana Shetty. This is actually her podcast. I am her co-host. And uh, welcome, Darshana. Thank you, Richard. And welcome, Jared. Very, very nice to have you here today. Awesome. Excited to be here, guys. So um, today we're going to discuss how awesome Jarrett's uh, podcasting setup and my visual and everything is just putting me to shame and I need to step my game up. But in addition to that, uh, we have a topic today. Uh, it's called doing more with less and embracing the change. We're going to jump into uh, technology and recent in innovations, marketing with lending. We're going to go into AI, um, how Jarrett is using it to support his his company and even in a down market. So um, without further ado, I say we just jump into it. Um, uh, Jared, you mind giving everybody who's never heard of you, first time seeing you, give us some background about you personally and your role at Nationwide Mortgage Bankers. Yeah, well, thanks, guys. Um, my name is Jared Stanley. I'm the CMO at Nationwide Mortgage Bankers. Um, I've been in mortgage lending quite literally since I was a kid. Uh, my father owned his own mortgage brokerage. My mom worked in it. Uh, my wife's worked in tax transcripts and I've worked in marketing. So between anybody in my family, we've essentially run the gamut of uh, what it takes to work in mortgage lending. Um, I started back working with for my for my dad around 2005 um, and I worked with him all throughout college and I graduated just in time for the 08 crisis uh, to hit and it was you know it was it was a shock to me because it was um, you know I, I'd seen my family grow up in this industry and this was arguably the worst event that's ever happened like it was a it was a it was a big shock to us so we had a, we had a choice we could pivot away from the industry we could look for new opportunities. Uh, for us, we were fortunate enough to know uh, some people in the industry. My dad and I ended up being employees number eight and nine at uh, New American Mortgage, which turned into Movement Mortgage. Um, I started their their marketing department, um, and it was quite literally me, fresh out of college, with a laptop, um, all of the um, all of the software that you could imagine that a broke college student has at his disposal at that time. Uh, cool. And I had to figure it out uh, in a lot of ways. It was um, I started I started that department sort of their print, developed relationships. And a lot of this was during a time where there weren't a lot of CRMs or frameworks or hardly any marketing intelligence at all in the space. So it was very humble beginnings, but I've just stuck with it because I felt like finance and mortgage in particular, um, it's been a very transactional industry. It's been very bylines, dollars and cents, and brand really wasn't focused on a lot. So for me, a marketing student and somebody who was on the creative side of the spectrum, I saw that there was a lot of opportunity. So I've stuck with it since then. I, I started as a graphic designer, uh, became a creative director for a number of years, and then worked my way up into C-suite. So it's an industry that I'm very passionate about. It's something that I think is worthwhile, and I'm very happy to continue to explore and, and innovate in the space. Wow. Impressive. Jared, before we dive right in, how is it working with your dad in the same company? Many different roles. <laughs> Tell us more. 
Yeah, I, I think when you anybody who's worked for a small company knows that you have a you know a title on a business card, but that title is really fluid based on what you have to do at any given moment. So I was building the website one moment, taking out the trash the next, helping someone uh, find the actual rented space that we had. It was, you know, I have a really good relationship with my dad, and I think that's why I stuck with the business so much was because uh, because I cared about. I cared about him. And when he was going through that hardship, I wanted to be there to help repay his kindness that he'd showed me helping me get through college and do everything. So it was, it was something that I felt I owed to him and it was something that I wanted to do. So it, I've always had a good relationship and it's never really, there's never really been this big clash that you would think, especially in a stressful industry like finance and mortgage between family members. It's, it's been, it's been a very rewarding experience. I don't work with him now, unfortunately. Um, we've been kind of like ships in the night every now and then we'll end up at the same company for you know a little bit. Uh, but you know, my dad's a big influence on me. So I, I, I definitely value the time that I had working with him, especially in the beginning. That's great to hear. Well, so, uh, one of the things I want everybody to know is that, uh, Jared is one of those folks that likes to give back, give back his time. That's what he's doing right now. He's obviously not getting paid for this. Well, he should be to anybody listening. He's not getting paid for this. Jared's giving his time and his expertise to everybody who's here right now. So I would just hop on LinkedIn, reach out to Jared. He just likes giving back. And so if you've got questions about tech, you've got questions about marketing, any questions you've got, reach out to Jared. He's uh, very approachable. He's an awesome guy. Um, I think a couple of logos you missed out, which were pretty cool. Movement Mortgage, you named Atlantic Bay, Southern Trust, and now Nationwide Mortgage uh, Bankers. These are uh, it's a very impressive career in a short amount of time. So I just want to throw that out there. Um, mm -hmm. I'll, yeah. Don't worry, I'll be I'll give you your plugs, Jared. <laughs> appreciate it. Appreciate it. Yeah. And like, like Richard said, I'm, I'm an open book. So I, I always believe in giving value out in the universe. If I can help someone with something, I have no problem doing that. I mean, that's that's what we're all here to do, right? It's what this discussion's about. And what I mean, you want to you want to be able to give back and help out with folks. I mean, I've I've had a million people help me out, get me to where I am and tell me things and help me when they didn't have to. So at least I can do is do that for other people too. And yeah, there's the places that I've worked for. I didn't know it at the time. And sometimes they weren't when I was working there, but they're, they turned out to be pretty heavy hitters. And a lot of, a, a lot of the places that I worked for just, they all had the same kind of DNA of this doesn't exist yet. Let's figure out the future together and let's not take no for an answer. Let's build something incredible. And as long as you showed up to work every day with that kind of mentality, the rest of these things can be figured out. I mean, technology can be created, but mentality yeah. and drive to be excellent is what I think has separated a lot of these institutions out. Yeah. I love that. Um, all right. Well, let's jump into our topic. Um, we all know this is a tough time in, in mortgage lending. Uh, very tough time. It looks like we're going to go into a type of housing winter. Uh, everybody's kind of saying that for the next, I don't know how long it's going to go, but for that, for there's going to be a housing winter and then it's going to get better towards the end of 2024. That's what everybody's saying. And to continue the trend that we've been seeing at uh, lending organizations and especially marketing departments at uh, these lending organizations, there's been a lot, a big pinch. A lot of folks have been let go from ops and marketing teams. Uh, and essentially the folks that are left behind have to do more uh, with less, right? So one of the questions I have is how has this impacted your ability to just get the work that you know has to get done? You got to keep the lights on, got to do the basics, right? Got to fill a pipeline for folks. Talk to me about that, Jared. Yeah, I mean, marketing departments at mortgage companies really have two sides. It's the inbound request side, which is, you know, loan officer needs something. And that can be that that something can be any number of things ranging in complexity, ranging in deliverable types. So it can be, you kind of don't know what you're going to get uh, sometimes on the customer service side, but that side is incredibly important. I mean, as much as technology has evolved, 
lending right now still is a very much a relationship game, especially for retail. You know, you have you have a D2C side of the equation for some lenders, but for most independent mortgage bankers uh, and independent mortgage banks and even a lot of large retail, they're still very much a part of the local uh, the local economy, the, the uh, local ecosystem of their agents, of their builders, of uh, title companies. So for us, relationships matter. And that means coming through on physical collateral, on training, on, on giving value. A lot of things that are very hard to quantify and automate and predict. Um, so you have to develop a lot of systems to not only service them uh, in, in the way that you would expect, but also to give answers in, in a timely fashion, to deliver them in means that are scalable. So that we can dive into some more of that stuff. But there's the retail retail inbound side. And then you've got um, the project management side. So things that really nobody's requesting of us specifically from an actual originator perspective, but things that are um, needed from a whether or not we're doing a uh, like a, like a new brand rollout, like a brand refresh, maybe we're building a new website, maybe we're working on the CRM, maybe we're uh, working in customer intelligence. There's a lot of things that kind of go behind the scenes sometimes that don't have a retail even touch or awareness of them, um, but they're very important and they help sometimes to show conversion, to show the fact that we've built things to either help us with recruiting or help us with retention and um pull through on actual, uh, on, on leads. So, I mean, there's the gamut of what a team can actually cover is very, very wide. And to your point, Richard, there's, there's not a lot of resources right now to cover all aspects of this. In fact, a lot of people on teams right now are wearing two, three, four hats simply because that's what's needed. And I think, you know, in times like this, people step up, people learn, and this is where a lot of people grow. So for instance, in 2008, like I mentioned, I didn't know how to do a lot of this stuff, but you have the kind of the, you have the opportunity to say, okay, I don't know how, so I'm going to give up or we can't do it. Or you say, I don't know how, so I'm going to go learn. I'm going to go get a certification. I'm going to study. I'm going to do, I'm going to hire a resource. There's a lot of things that you can do. So to answer your question, there are certainly a lot to cover and there are strategies around both to how to be more efficient with, with less, for sure. Attitude of uh, employees definitely matter, right? Uh, because the person who wants to step up, who has the drive, definitely figures out, you know, finds way to figure out, could it be, you know, learning a new skill, like you said, Jared, or taking some courses on online, offline, right? Or using tools that are available, you know, at their disposal. And how do you make yourself more efficient, right? So people who want to do it, the right attitude and the right drive typically step up and they're able to kind of succeed doing multiple jobs and uh, doing wearing multiple hats. Uh, that's kind of, that's also very critical uh, and it shows up in this environment. Uh, it was showing up always in startups before, but I think this environment, it's forcing every every employee to, to you know, do that more and more, more often. Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's a, a lot to be said about folks who have a learning mentality, have a kind of an entrepreneurial mentality on your team. Those are the people that I love hiring because it's, they don't have this hireling mentality of that's not my job. You know, I'm the kind of guy that's when I got annoyed when I found trash on the ground, wherever I work, because I'm like, I take pride in working here. I work so hard to build these things. And then there's something that needs to be swept up or, or a piece of the office that needs to be cleaned up. Like that kind of stuff matters. And I think if you have an ownership mentality around where you work, even regardless of whether or not you have an ownership stake or, 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 or what, whatnot, yeah. that stuff kind of matters to, and it's a reflection of, I think somebody's character and kind of what they're built around. So that stuff really matters to me. And you, it's, it's no coincidence that you see those type of people get elevated quickly at companies because owners can recognize that they see people who are cut from that same type of cloth and they want to put them in positions of power. That's right. 
So there's a there's a kind of different ways you can face this environment, right? And we're all talking about mindset. So, you know, you're in a situation where you have reduced teams, you have reduced budgets. So talk to me a little bit about what you were telling me earlier when you were talking about embracing the change. Like, what does that mean? Well, I think embracing the change, oftentimes you, you have to look at the mentality of why your team exists and and look at your look at your KPIs and do they actually matter to the business or do they matter because maybe they make you feel good or they make the end deliverable person, person that you're putting the end deliverable in their hands, do they make them feel good? There's a difference between feeling good and accomplishing a goal, right? And sometimes in marketing, marketing has always been perceived somewhat as subjective, especially in industries that aren't really focused on the results of marketing a lot. I think a lot of times in the good in the good times for for um, for lenders, marketing can feel like we we're doing really great on social media. We got a lot of likes. You know, we're doing we've we put out this new post. We put up a blog. You know, we've done a lot of things that are they're deliverables that are visible, but they're not measured against any sort of return versus sort of expectation around how much it took to get there, the sweat equity that it took to develop this asset versus the performance of the asset. And a lot of times we have to kind of shift back more into scientific method during the lean times because we have less we have less at-bats. And sometimes those less at-bats come from the fact that there aren't as many players on the team or you have less hours to accomplish the same thing. So you, what you do really has to matter. And the way you quantify what matters is by actually taking a look at, um, you know, what is an accomplishable business goal that reflects from the sales side that isn't sort of um, only measured in the creative. You know, the creative serves the function, um, but it isn't the function. You know, marketing exists. Marketing's point isn't, isn't its existence. Um, I'm sorry, again. Uh, marketing's point isn't proven in its existence. It's proven in its results. So you have to kind of take more of a results-oriented approach and look at how you can get more, more bang for your buck in terms of your resources and allocation. So I think from, you know, coming from a creative director background, I was always more concerned with how things presented, you know, how they looked. Did I look better than the competition? Was my message resonating more versus did what I did did what I do and what I spent actually move the business needle as much as I needed it to do relative to the spend and the time of the employees. And I think as you mature in your career, you you kind of have to walk the line of where those two things intersect. So yeah, to your point, Richard, it's 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 taking more of an analytical approach to marketing, which in some ways and for a lot of people does require a bit of a perspective shift. Awesome. Um, in terms of, I'm just curious, in terms of tools and technologies, right? Um, what are some of the tools and technologies that you have leaned on to do more with less? So that's a good question. Uh, I think there's, you kind of have to look back at what your core functions are of the team and what your desired outcomes are. And then you can kind of reverse engineer technology from there. I think a lot of times people get technology happy and they sort of, they, they hire on and they bring on a bunch of technology and they say, oh, this will fit in my stack. And they don't realize a lot of times things that go into the stack actually mm -hmm. take quite a lot of energy to to massage and get and work the way that you need that need to. You got to separate reporting. You got to see, does this item have an API that talks to the other item? There's a lot that goes into it. So I would say for me specifically, um, I mentioned earlier that there really are two sides of our house. There is the inbound side and then there's the project side. For us, we have to be organized in terms of the data when things come out, when things uh, when things come in, when things go out, and how they're deployed and maintenance from there. So for us, when they come in, that's something like uh, like we use Freshdesk, but any ticketing system would really work, right? So what we don't want to do is when people have a request of us, 
we don't want it to go into the email black hole. You know, it needs to go into a ticket, needs to be assigned, needs to be reviewed and say, okay, do we already have this? Because again, one of the things that messes teams up is somebody just did double work because they didn't realize we already had this thing in the CRM, right? So we don't want to do multiple work for things that already exist. We have to, we need to check to see if it exists. We need to check to see if it's compliant and viable before we begin. Again, another habit of teams who are maybe over eager, who want to do do more for their team is they just go and they they create this content only to get it to compliance review and compliance says, we can't even do this, right? So you've wasted time getting it to that point. So you've got your ticketing system, which helps with review. Then you assign it to the team member. The team member goes through and does all the work that they need to do, helps it cross the compliance finish line. And then when you deliver it, it goes into a CRM so that it can be used at scale for everybody in the team. So you don't just make something once for one person. If there's scalability out for the deliverables that you make, it certainly helps make everyone else's job easier. Because remember, there's, you know, people are loan officers. We're not offering a whole different product suite for every single person. For the most part, a lot of our products are ubiquitous or a lot of our programs are ubiquitous across the, across the field. So we want to make sure that people have access to the things that we create. We create it for one person. Odds are good that we've created it for all 300 people. Um, and that's the way that we would want to proceed. Um, so project management, to kind of look at the other side of that coin, project management is the exact same. We use a system called Rike, but pe like people use, uh, you know, they use Django, they use, uh, mm -hmm. not Django, sorry. Uh, they use uh, Jira. They yep. use, um, uh, you know, yeah. Monday.com, Atlassian. Monday, I mean, Atlassian. There's, yeah. yeah, there's there's a million different projects suites out there that people yeah. can use, um, but it keeps us on task and it keeps us moving forward. So I think organization, good file structure and good deployment keeps you on track and doing more with less. Because if you're not organized, every one of your resources is going to get strained to do more because of just the disorganization in the group. Well, so Jared, I've got a question that's going to piggyback on where you just left off. So um, look, I'm not plugging Trube, but I am plugging Trube in this little quick uh, line I'm going to say. Um, most ops leaders are looking to reduce costs and one of the line items on their budget are verifications. So very straightforward. We're saving 60, 80% against the work number. So why people want to talk to us. I'm not giving the plug. I'm actually asking you the question. You've worked now at three or four different lenders uh, at a very senior role. And so my question to you is, what? where do you see in most marketing departments, where are those big buckets where they could be um, saving a lot of costs and increasing productivity? I think marketing teams have been so looked at as creatives and non-technical team members. Um, I think a lot of times people have looked at IT departments as complementarian to fill in the lack of technical capacity inside of marketing teams. And that may be true in some instances, but at the same time, if you have no technical capacity, and what I mean by technical capacity is you know, a little bit of development skill, being able to work things from one platform to the other, create automation paths, some of the things that, you know, there, and there's a ton of no code options, and we probably will cover some of those uh, later. Uh, but there's, there's just a lack of technical prowess sometimes in marketing teams that makes your job far more repetitive for no value than it needs to be. So like, for instance, um, at, at uh, Nationwide Mortgage Bankers, we have a new hire welcome form. And we intentionally take that form's input and we use it to spin up other assets on the team. So for instance, somebody fills out the welcome form, we know their shirt size, we know where where their their home is so we can send them their welcome gift. We, we, mm. we send it directly through uh, the welcome team API so that there isn't a human being having to read an email and then go, oh, I need to move this data from the email over to the order form and press the button, right? That's not something that you really wanna hire people to do as a leader is just 
take string of text, copy string of text, paste it here and press button. And that's my job. You want people doing, you want people more focused on their core competencies on sort of the grunt work, menial tasks that so oftentimes at any scale, people really do get buried with. So that's the thing that I always encourage a lot of marketing leaders to think of is where are the places that you're getting buried by repetitive work that maybe you just haven't had the time to actually look at and say, how can I be smarter with this? And how can I take this out of human intervention and put it through AI or put it through automation? And I can get all that time back um, and put it to good use somewhere else. Speaking of AI, uh, you brought it up um, and it's been a hot topic over the weekend. I've, I have so many thoughts, but let's keep that aside. How are you leveraging AI in, you know, at your work at NMB? Tell us more. Doing a lot with AI. Um, some of it rudimentary, some of it a little bit more experimental. Um, I, I think a lot of CRMs are now starting to really engage in AI from a um, looking at different endpoints and creating messaging inside of it. I know Salesforce is rolling out new things with their Einstein platform that's doing things that are really experimental. Uh, that really hasn't hit the mortgage space yet, but I'm using our CRM to, um, our CRM has a function called outbound data connector, which allows me to send JSON payloads to external third-party sources for processing. And that includes open AIs, API, or anything that I want to do with that. So for instance, um, things that I've been able to do have been use AI to write thank yous in the voice of a loan officer, either through audio or through text for uh, inbound reviews that come in thanking them for using our our process, right? So we can we can actually let people get pretty close to the way that somebody would talk back into their review response through AI, which is really nice. Um, I've been able to, of course, for content creation, it's wonderful. Um, I'm able to take, uh, speaking of earlier, how we said things that are difficult and tedious to do that AI can really help you with is we take a lot of our product guidelines that we get now and we have a we have a brand guide for our company in terms of what our brand archetype is, what our tone and voice is, how we communicate. So we take all these documents and we take the the product guideline and we can run it through AI and say, hey, create us the agent facing general messaging, the borrower facing general messaging, the brand, the builder facing general messaging document outline and get us close to here's what our KPIs or here's what our desired actions are for this asset or this set of assets. Mm -hmm. And it can get, it's pretty good. It can get pretty darn close to actual usable content. Of course, we need to take it because of the industry that we're in and because we want to be exact. You know, we go through and we, we audit those, those outputs. But I just remember back in 2008, that was such a, I would sit there with a blank sheet of paper and mortgage guidelines in my hand as an early 20s person and say, how do I change this from what I'm reading right now, which is barely legible to me, into something that a borrower who may, or only, may only be concerned about what their monthly payment is, how do I translate this to make this person excited about what I'm selling? Mm -hmm. AI really does help out with a lot of that. It's, and you get in, AI is like anything else. You get in what you put out. If you're more thorough and you give it more context and you know how to work it and, and you can develop those skills, it makes your life a heck of a lot easier as a content marketer. Absolutely. And I can, I can you know, double click on that same thing. It's made me more efficient personally as a product person. I now can help out Richard do some of his work, <laughs> right? Some, you know, product updates myself. And, you know, we've, we've gotten very, very efficient across the board. And we're also doing a AI hackathon um, in two weeks. So pretty excited about that. Jared, why don't you uh, give us some examples? You were talking about a no-code platforms that you're using. Um, those are pretty cool for folks like myself who don't write code. So why don't you talk a little bit about that? 
Yeah, so I think one of the most accessible no-code platforms there is out there that's got arguably the most connections, it's the most developed and supported for is, is Zapier. Um, so Z-A-P-I-E-R, I think it's supposed to be happier, but with a zap, I, I don't know. And no one really knows how it's pronounced. Um, it's a it's a no-code platform that really acts as like a bridge connector to one or multiple platforms, and you can do multi-step sequences within it. So I'll give an example. Um, one thing that we have for our for our company is, I, and I mentioned earlier, is the the new team member welcome form. Well, as a part of that new team member welcome form, we ask people to submit their headshots. Now, headshots can come in any file format. They can come in any aspect ratio. They can come in any quality. But we need to take that headshot. And if it is a sales type person, we need to convert that headshot into uh, a PNG file. It needs to be named a specific way. It needs to be hosted on AWS and it needs to be propped in a certain size, right? So we know all these things in advance. Now in the past, what you would do is you'd say, okay, Jared, or okay, team member, here is this file. Throw it in Lightroom, throw it in Photoshop, throw it in Canva, wherever you want to go. Do all this stuff, manually crop it, manually move it over into AWS, and then AWS syncs, and then it populates over into an email signature or it populates onto a web page. Zapier, I just quantified all those steps, told it everything I needed to do, and it does it for me. It posts it directly into AWS. It names it correctly. So the instant somebody submits that form, it's it's done and processed all within five steps. And I get an, and I've even set up a little email notification that comes into my inbox that says headshot blank, which is named. It gives me a link to it in AWS in case I want to go look at it. And it just does this task for me. Now, again, it was it took longer for me to set up that zap than to do two or three headshots. But that's not the point. The point is, is this thing has done hundreds of headshots for me, and I've never had to think about it again. And that's where these these powers can come in is think about where you're losing time and losing efficiency doing something that is just manual labor that you're not engaging your brain in, in making your business better or making your team better and find ways of automating that. Now, you can do this process through um, through Python or through JavaScript or something else natively if you've got that type of prowess or if you've got that type of uh, developer skill on your team. But Zapier, for the cost, I think like the cost we spend at, uh, at NMB is about 80 bucks a month, and I automate over 2,000 tasks a month with it. I mean, that's an unbelievable return. Um, so take a look at some situations like that. It's not the only game in town. There's things you can do now on ChatGPT through its code interpreter uh, that certainly are really complex. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of options out there. I would just type in no code solutions. You're going to see Zapier. You're going to see ChatGPT. You may see something called Make. Make is a competitor to Zap uh, to Zapier. So check them out. There's a lot of stuff that you don't have to have a computer science degree to go in and do some really advanced things that you may not think are possible yet, but you can discover that you know, they're they're more within, they're more in reach than you think. For the record, I pronounce I pronounce it with the French Zapier. I pronounce Je voudrais le Zapier. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was Zapier. I've I've said it a million times, and I heard it. Somebody said, uh, I thought, it, yeah, I thought it was Zap, Zapier or Zapier. I thought it was the French thing for a little bit there, and I I but on it was on a uh, they did their like a dev day or they did a conference, and the, the head guy was up. Thanks for coming to Zapier's conference. I was like, oh, thank God, somebody said it. Now I finally know how to say the actual word. It's like GIF and GIF and all the other ones that uh, nobody has any real idea how to pronounce, you know? People get heated about that, too. Yeah, if we have Wade, who is the CEO of Zapier, listening to this, it will be really helpful (laughs) if you can tell us how to pronounce this correctly. You you will help a lot of us. (laughs) Put the phonetic pronunciation in the comments. Right. (laughs) 
Yeah. Have you guys seen the, uh, the, the vision stuff where it's like live commenting sports, like live commentating sports. And it's, uh, there's this new, I think it's like TL draw. There's this new company that's, you know, a lot of, a lot of companies now are, are wrappers around GPT APIs, which is fine. That's what a lot of places, things are going to be. Um, but I've been on Twitter and I've been seeing this company TL draw that's just been going nuts where it's these, you, it's a, it looks like Microsoft paint and you, you can draw something and it will create functional UI around what you draw based on what it's, it's wild. And it like people drew this, uh, they give me a tip calculator. So they put four boxes on there, four numbers, and they, they took the title and they drew an arrow and said, give me a tip calculator that increments in 5%, uh, increments and let me, you know, split it out between people. And it just generated it in like 10 seconds. I'm just, what our world's going to look like in terms of people just being able to think things and draw them. And then they become mostly functional is pretty, pretty crazy. So actually, because now I used to do like manual wireframing for engineers to visualize my kind of idea and, or, you know, designers, right. So now I can use this and build like mock designs, which I really like, it makes me more efficient and I can even tell the designer, Hey, these are a few things like play around with that finds different types. And, you know, we can look at other variants. What would be very manual him going to like a site and looking for different types and formats of how this is done uh, in different geographical locations. Now he is able to run it through chat GPT and uh, it can, it can produce good design. So I'm pretty excited about the future. Um, As long as AI doesn't get conscious, I'm very excited. (laughs) Yeah. It's got to stay in the box. There's, there's definitely a lot to be, I, th- I think a lot of a, a like a, a prevalent mindset that has kind of come out has been, oh well, I don't need to learn how to do this because AP uh, because AI can do it for me. Uh, I don't. I just don't think that's true. I think you still need to know the core foundational ideas around what you're building in order to really understand and really move forward. But I mean, for somebody who's worked on websites now for a number of years, it's changed the way that I completely uh, work. It's it's completely changed the work the way that I work. And I mean, I'll ask it for you know custom PHP functions because I understand PHP functions how they work and what I'm looking for. But because I know what I'm asking for and I can give it a, a very specific prompt around it. The results you get are like 95% of the way there just with barely any work on it. So it's it's going to be cool. And uh, Darshan, did you see the, uh, to your point about uh, UI, there's I think a new Figma plugin that people are using that are, that's able to create React components just visually based off of, um, off of actual canvases. So like mm-hmm. if you have a canvas now, the, the idea has always been with Figma, like you design it based on UI principles and you can pass it to a developer and they have to kind of visually interpret it or pull out the CSS from from the canvas, you can now do this through GPT vision and just say, create me react components based on what's on my canvas. And it will spit out reusable react components. It's, it's going to be crazy. A few years, we're not even going to hardly have to do a lot of our own front ends. We'll just be able to, you know, plug and play based on visuals. If I can scale from having two front end engineers to like doing 10 people's work. Awesome. Uh, but you guys are doing tremendous work. I think the things that are happening in your space going to save so much time and effort for a lot of people and save a lot of money and uh, be far more accurate than the human beings doing it. So kudos to you guys. Thank you. Thank you, Jared, for joining us today, being here, um, giving us insightful information. Thank you so much. Yeah, of course, guys. It's my pleasure. Um, again, if people want to connect with me, I'm happy to speak with folks on LinkedIn. Shoot me a message. I'm happy to to, to talk and start up any dialogue. 
lot of the best relationships and things that we've discovered over the years simply have just come from people asking questions and developing relationships just like we're doing right here on this show. So thanks again for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Jared. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Seeking the Truve. You can keep up with the latest on our podcast at truve.com slash podcast or wherever you get your pods. We'll see you next time.